1: to the Innovate for Impact podcast. As usual, you've got Tracy Newman and Dan Bentley. We're really happy to be joined by William Crowley, who's the CEO of Northern Coldfields Community Care. Welcome, William. Thank you so much for joining us. As usual, we'd just like to kick off by asking you to tell us all a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do.
2: Well, thank you, Tracy and Dan. Thank you for the invitation. And yeah, our title is a mouthful and uh, we all stumble over that one, but you've done very well, Tracy. Well, we're a, a local not for profit organization in the Hunter Valley that was founded in 1988 by a, a very visionary leader. So we've been part of the community. We're in our 34th year. Now and we were born out of, I suppose, a a desire to provide aged care services to people within the Hunter Valley, and uh, from that we've grown out of very much a a single nursing home as they were called in those days, to a a service that provides transport, meals on wheels, home care, retirement living, and a whole range of options, and so we have. Six different locations that we operate, and over two hundred staff, so it's a big small enterprise we like to say here in the town
0: and in a beautiful part of the world too
2: it certainly is. We like to utilize uh, that one country tag that our our council uses at uh, at every point so we can share some of the the great lifestyle with people to come and work for us
1: yeah um, it is definitely a beautiful part in the world and i Speaking of people who come and work for you, I believe today is your one-year anniversary at Northern Coalfields.
2: Yes, Tracy, one year today I started at Northern Coalfields, came out of Sydney with a, a pocket full of licences and permissions to leave a hard lockdown area, got taken out to lunch by the board chairman and uh, it was pretty special, I think it was the first non-takeaway I'd had in 12 months <laughs> and thought life was pretty special. But thank goodness I had been whipped around to all our locations because the Hunter Valley went into lockdown the day after. And it was a realisation for all the our regional folk that uh, this just wasn't a, a Sydney or a Melbourne pandemic that we're all experiencing.
1: We've had the pleasure of uh, supporting you in some of the innovation work that you've been looking to do. Do you want to sort of share a little bit more about the backstory? So w- what happened and, and why we kind of started that work?
2: Absolutely, and Everything can be blamed on COVID uh, into the future. I wonder whether what history will show. So as I said, we run a number of business streams. And in our transport space, the uh, reduction of services during COVID really started to impact our bottom line and we needed to look at how we could do things differently or how we could do things better. And I was, at the time of starting, reminded when I looked at our history of our transport service, many of our services had come into the organisation because we were very much part of the local community and. Whilst they had been in different locations, we merged them into a a single location. But the teams and the processes sort of continued on in their own silo. And I know we use the term silo. So it was how do we break down those silos? And also, the transport bottom line had been diminishing for some years. And we tried different staff, we tried similar but different. Structures, and I was always reminded of Albert Einstein's quote that insanity is doing the same thing time and time again and expecting a different result. And really, when I looked at it, I thought that's exactly what we're doing. We we keep doing the same thing, and we're surprised that nothing's changing either the bottom line or growth in our service. So I was introduced to you by one of our support organisations and I thought let's revisit this innovation topic again which we may be able to come up with some great ideas and also as a team building exercise so we could get to each of our team members could get to know each other better. And also as an organisation, a number of our our team had been change-weary. There'd been a bit of a turnover of staff. So we were looking to consolidate and look at just how we could do things. And so we needed to be innovative. Hence, we were connected with you and Dan to uh, look at what our clients really wanted. Because I think the other thing that became apparent to us is that we'd been part of the community for 34 years. People were happy with us. If you didn't like us, you wouldn't use us. And so perhaps we'd become a bit complacent as an organisation that did we really understand what our customers expected from us and what they wanted from us. And so off we set on our journey with client-centricity.
1: I love that that's the place you decided to start when it came to, you know, making changes right across the organisation. You actually did that that thing of, well, let's start with making sure that we understand what it is that our clients really want and then structure everything around that rather than, you know, the things that you'd tried before, which was more internally focused.
2: Yes, and getting people on board because there was also, a, I think, a perception generally that to be innovative it's going to cost you or it's going to take a lot of time or it just delays the ultimate outcome and so um i don't think any of us probably went into the sessions without some of those little doubts but we knew we had to do something differently
1: nice for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. So you said that you had possibly become a little bit complacent around what it was that was really important for your clients. How did you go about understanding what was important for them?
2: Well, through our series of workshops, we contacted each of our clients with our predetermined set of questions to understand a little bit more about the client and so what were their motivators to first joining us and we we made sure that we had a cross-section of customers that we knew that were happy with us, we knew that were not happy with us, some very long-term customers and some very recent customers. And so we had a conversation and I guess in our industry we're very lucky that our clientele loves to have a conversation. So it was a matter of us taking time out and to listen to what they had to say And also, I think for some of my team, understand that people aren't necessarily going to say something negative or bad, or that the opportunity to improve on something is something to be celebrated, not to be punished, if you like. And so that was also the case. I think a number of us may have been frightened of what we might have heard so Again, that old adage, if you don't know the answer, don't ask the question. So <laughs> it was a very productive process. And we learned a lot of things that we didn't know, which has helped us in our, in our marketing size, side of things. And also, it shifted our thinking in how we approach our clients in that we're not afraid to talk to them. And that's just been in a, in a couple of months. I can see that, that already. And also for our teams, in mixing up our teams to talk to clients, getting different aspects that each of our team members was able to understand where they fitted into the process from the time a customer or client made a referral to the time we provided a service. And I'm going to confuse all your listeners. I know I circled do to use clients, customers, residents, or one terminology. When we provide so many services, (laughs) we have so many terms. So I'll try and stick with customers.
0: (laughs) Easy. You you mentioned before as well, William, that um, when you were starting off on this journey to contact these clients, that some people were a little bit nervous and and that some people might have seen it as, geez, we don't want to get into trouble. How, How did you create the right environment for your team to know that they were safe in that? environment? What did you have to do as a leader to make sure that people felt really comfortable in being able to get those honest insights?
2: Well, well thanks Dan and that's, that's a very good question because I remember having that conversation with Tracy that should I step in or step out of those conversations and so I think I was fortunate that we did these customer um, exercises. I was about six months into my tenure here in the organisation and in our transport area which we were focusing on I was quite new so I was just honest and open with the team and said look this is a learning process for for all of us and nothing ventured nothing gained almost because there was the immediate we don't have time for this which we said well yes but we don't not have time for this we we need to be building a a resilient organization and quite frankly, two afternoons, I think it was, break from thinking about COVID and masks and hand hygiene was actually a great thing to look forward to rather than something not to look forward to. So again, it was that reinforcement and we had good lead time into um, before we did these exercises with our customers. So we we just made it a conversation that, we these workshops were coming up and we've talking to talking to our clients and when when the exercises with the clients started there was constant conversation about have you caught up with your client and have you spoken to to this client and so it was may I suppose normalized perhaps and and taken a bit outside all the COVID's meetings and correspondence that we had. I love the
1: answer to the, how did you understand what your clients need? We had a conversation. Like, it's so simple and so elegant and so meaningful because you said that you had quite a few insights out of these conversations. Do you want to share Share your favourite? Because that's always my
2: favourite question to ask. And again, with such, we'd had a number of staff turn over, so there was little, corporate history in some parts of the organization, which some of our clients were able to fill us in that they'd been clients for sort of twenty years and and give us a bit of a a sort of a a benchmark of the things that we used to do or we do now or we did well. And so that was interesting. And what we did, we what we came to realize very quickly that a number of our clients were using multiple services from from us, which we did know, but they had all been referred by our transport service through the conversation whilst we were transporting a client to the hospital, to the doctor, to the shops. And, And we heard that time and time again that in a conversation, a driver had said, are you aware of our daycare programs or our social programs or that we were having an event on? And we then realised a very simple thing that we needed to have more conversations with our clients and get their feedback. And I think the other thing we found interesting that when we, we, we assembled these people from across the organisation, we had many reasons during the week to talk to our clients, whether they, we were ringing to confirm a service, they were ringing with a hiccup with their accounts or a question about their accounts, they were ringing to book a service. And so we had opportunities every day to have those conversations that we were missing. We deal with a complaint or we deal with with a suggestion, but we never took those extra couple of minutes to To talk to the, talk to the client and see what else other information we could get. And, uh, that has continued on. And, uh, I feel like, uh, I'm eavesdropping now when I hear staff talking to I hear the phone ring so i I can't help myself but listen to see whether it's a, a happy client or a um, client that we can improve their happiness with and I can hear those conversations going because part of our our new business plan was to put some scripted conversations in, but our team has embraced the workshop material that we had done on getting to understand that what the resident Needs and likes, and by getting to know the person, we could see whether technology was a, I suppose, an impediment or something that they would embrace. And so we continue to have lots of conversations now, Tracy.
1: Warms my heart to hear that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I love the simplicity of it. You know, you are already having these conversations, and you're actually just taking a couple of minutes just to really check in on people. And I think that's so valuable and so needed in the world now.
2: Oh, it is, and and, and again, it, it highlighted to everybody that innovation wasn't going to necessarily take any more time than what we're already doing. It didn't require a big financial investment in many of the things, is that we were having the conversation, we just needed to make that conversation a little bit more meaningful we realised that our primary point of promotion was either through our people on the ground as ambassadors or through some of the um, allied health areas, which was an area that over the years had sort of fallen off, fallen off our radar. So that enabled us again. We, we, have, we had a marketing plan, a new website uh, rolled out. We just didn't have that, that uh, sector on our our stakeholder list. So there were some great ideas fell out of some very simple exercises.
1: Love that. One of the the other insights, and I'm going to share it because I I loved it, was that realisation that your team had that what they thought the service was that they were providing wasn't the service that they were actually providing, in that they were providing they saw themselves as providing transport and your clients saw them as providing connection to the community and they really felt that through having those conversations.
2: That was very true and that's probably why so many of us work in this sector. It's those, those heartwarming stories we heard of the compassion shown by drivers when somebody had been picked up from chemo where somebody was just down and our driver just listened and was caring, or the the driver that took the shopping to the door just as a matter of course, not because they were asked. Drivers that would hear that uh, perhaps perhaps Dan was a bit miserable, his family hadn't visited, would suggest, well, why don't you jump on the 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 lunch tour next Friday and, and go out? And so it was nice to hear that our team were also listening. They were great listeners, and also in listening, were able to suggest another way that would improve our clients' overall well being. And particularly during COVID, because there were some people very, very, very lonely. And we ensured throughout that process, we were at least making phone contact because for many people, it's the connection with one of our. Support workers or our drivers—that is probably the, their main point of personal contact for the week. Wow,
1: that's—I—I—I uh, stop talking, which is pretty unusual for me. But <laughs> I, I get so caught up in those stories and and the feeling of what it must be like from both the perspective of of your clients, but also the perspective of of your team to be really able to see the difference that they're getting to make in someone's life and how much of a mindset shift that enables you to be versus I'm um, booking somebody in to be transported versus, you know, I'm, I'm helping to take care of somebody in the community.
2: Also oh, so very important, Tracy. You touched on a, a, a thing that was highlighted again to myself and the rest of the team in that the difference we were making in people's lives and at times we can all get caught up in we've got this wrong or, or somebody has given us a, quite a serious serve on something where we may have dropped the ball but we make a huge difference in, in so many other ways in that and in a time when we were driven by COVID regulations for staff to get that positive feedback that that was positive and, and heartfelt that they were making a difference in people's lives, despite the the grumpy person that we or staff member that might have snapped at you this morning, you you're a valued person and you're making a big difference.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's that's a great takeaway that anybody can get from their day to day role, isn't it? You know, that 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 you're valued and that you're making a difference.
2: Absolutely right, and it does. You don't have to be the the CEO or the the registered nurse in charge to impact on someone's life, and uh, particularly with our our community clients that are looking for that companionship, and and COVID has made that um, very difficult at times.
1: Knowing what you know now, what is it that that has made available for you and the and the team. You mentioned the the marketing and um, that that you're able to sort of understand new ways to to talk about your services to your prospective clients. But w- what other kind of things has it made available to you? Knowing what
2: what's really important, what it has done is also broken down any negative stereotypes or barriers people might have had about innovation or change being difficult or more work or just something we we put off in that we've realised in looking at some of our, our simple structures. And we asked, once we'd taken all our, our client feedback, we spoke to the staff and saw where we were, where we could improve on our service, how could we do that? And there was little blocks all along the way that because we hadn't really ever spoken to each other, could easily be fixed to the benefit of the residents. We could make some very simple changes to improve the customer experience that that wasn't costly, wasn't difficult. And those simple blocks that everybody has in their day, we we're able to unblock many of those blocks. And people went, oh, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was. So it's sort of given us hope with the other areas of, of change and development that we've got is that this has sort of broken the ice, this exercise with our transport clients, that innovation is is simple. It's not, it doesn't have to be complicated. And you can get some very easy wins very quickly if you have those conversations with each other and with your clients,
0: you might have to change the name as well, William, from transport clients to community connection clients or something like that, or the community connections team.
2: <laughs> Interesting you say that dan, we're we' are working on that because they are, yes, they're a client, they're they're looking for our support in In some way, and uh, the transport is is just the beginning really so um and trying to integrate that now into the organization and so on our workshops we had the community members of the community team, the finance team, the admin team, and the transport team and so everyone now understands even what each other does and what the organization does where if we had have run an exercise where I spoke about all these wonderful services we'll be providing people probably would have glazed over but in this innovation we're talking about what do you do Dan and what do you do Tracy and everyone's got "Uh uh-huh we can offer our clients more service so just that approach, I, we find, we, we think was innovative anyway.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's, that's innovation, isn't it? Is when you put things together in new ways, it doesn't need to be totally brand new. Quite often, the best innovations are, are things that have been recycled or upcycled or slightly tweaked or changed or, you know, all of those things leads to something new at the end, but it's a, a different way of going about it. And like you said, sometimes you need to do things slightly differently.
2: Oh and again the the process reinforced to us the importance of actually getting meaningful input from the client on what they wanted in the service because I have been guilty of it in the past where you design a service or a or, or a product, and yes, you've had input into it by by a potential consumer but They really haven't driven the process where what this demonstrated to us that if we're implementing a new service, it's no more difficult to include that consumer in the input right from the start rather than tokenistic review at the end of a very detailed planning process. And I I do remember talking with you, Tracy, and that when the bottom line is tough, we tend to design things to fix the bottom line and we we needed to get out of that mentality and that this the innovative innovation approach has helped us do that and uh the i have a big responsibility to to keep that that going now that we design things for the right reason yes the bottom line's important but if you let that be the driver uh, your ideas are underdeveloped i suppose i would say yeah, that's definitely a risk there.
1: Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us, William? That's been
2: great so far. Well, well, thank you. Again, I think the, the message that all of our team realised is that it was simple, it was worth the time, innovation can be a big change or a small change and with it most organisations are... Uh, a resource scarce, and so it's making those changes and those innovative differences where you can, and let's start with little bites and let's let's move forward and never lose sight of what the client wants,
0: yeah, I like what you said there, William, because I think you're right, there is a real misconception sometimes that it has to be. You know, a huge change or um, something that's very expensive. And, you know, people are saying, well, you know, what you said before was something we hear so much. I don't know. People probably can't see our videos when you're talking, when we put all this together, especially not when they're listening to the podcast. But me and Tracy both laughed because, or smiled, or probably more so than laughed because we hear that so much. We don't have time for this. Um, but from my understanding is that some of this was actually just you implementing a few extra questions or a- adding things into your existing processes that, that, made a huge difference it it wasn't about you chucking in you know a whole heap of extra activity into your week it was just about a few little tweaks here and there which is now delivering you know a much bigger impact for you and, and keeping your finger on the pulse with your client's needs so yeah I think it's a great example
2: that's a very good summary of of where we're at today and the extensive list of questions we ask with the clients I can hear 50 or 60% of those questions coming out in our conversations with clients because our, our other challenge was that we actually have six touch points into this organisation and so making sure that everyone gets a, a good customer experience is made even more challenging by that. But if everyone is listening and having that conversation, I think we've got Great opportunity to provide much better service to many more clients in the, in the Hunter region.
1: Thank you so much. I think that's a that's a really positive note to end on. And we'd like to thank you so much for sharing all of that with us and our listeners today. Thanks, William.
2: Well, thank you, Tracy, and and thank you, Dan, and uh, yes to all those listeners. Find time; it'll pay hundredfold in benefits
0: thanks so much mate thank you you. thanks for listening to another episode of the innovate for impact podcast any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes if you'd like to know more about social innovation visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way visit impactoconsulting.com.au thanks for listening now go out there and make an impact